0: Welcome to this episode of "Come Follow Me: A Disciple's Journey." This episode will cover Moroni's one through six. Uh, we'll jump right in here. Remember, and I'd mentioned this in the overview ch- uh, episode this week. Moroni thought he was done writing. He's, I mean, he he's thought he's done multiple times. This is this is take three now. He said goodbye twice, and now he's like, "I hey, actually, uh, I thought I would have died by now, uh, but I'm just still here wandering around." Um. And they, he's, he does make mention that the, the Lamanites are, and the Nephites are killing anybody who won't um, deny Christ. And he won't deny Christ, so he figured, hey, eventually they're going to get to me. They hadn't yet. And so he continues to right to us, and, and he specifically says, I'm not going to deny the Christ. And I think that's something we can, it's, it's pretty impressive there. So here's a guy. He's watched everyone die around him, everyone who's been close to him and his family— his, his society, his civilization, his culture has been killed. Because the Nephites who weren't killed, they either ran away and got away somewhere, or they deserted the Lamanites. So The, the Nephite culture, dead. His, I mean, put yourself, like, imagine that. Whether you live in, I don't know, Ireland or South Africa or the United States or Canada, look at your culture, your community around you. Now, imagine that just being completely gone. Your traditions, your... Uh, I mean, civic institutions, just everything. That's what he's experiencing. And now people are now hunting the believers in Christ, and uh, he has a fixed determination that he will not deny Christ. Moroni is an interesting character to me in the Book of Mormon, because we have this book, it's named the Book of Mormon, because his dad compiled it for us. He, The small plates, he grabbed the small plates and put them in, and... Uh, He went through the hundreds and hundreds of years of history of his people, and he abridged it. Then he dies, gives it to his his son, is then in charge of it. His son records a few words of his own, throws in uh, an abridgment of the Jaredite people, and then buries the record. It's his son, though, who explicitly tells us that he sees us in our day. Though I don't doubt, and I'm sure that uh, and Mormon alludes to that as well. And it's his son who buries the plates. It's his son who appears to the boy Joseph Smith. It's his son who delivers the plates to Joseph Smith. It's it's Moroni that does those things. Uh, Moroni and in and in, even though compared to his father and how much he wrote and how much history he abridged and what the the record that we have that is from Moroni, is relatively small. Like I said in comparison to his dad, but it, they are. Uh, critically important chapters like the chapters we're studying this week with the focus on ordinances to to clear up the confusion that the apostasy would bring that he knew it would bring because he saw it and then moroni chapter 10 inviting us to read and and ponder the the, the words of the book of mormon and then and, and pray to know if it's true this invitation that has changed the lives of millions of people in the latter days came from from Moroni, came from the, this record where he thought he would be done. Two times he thought he would be done. But he was preserved long enough to, to deliver that, to, to then also input his uh, father's sermon uh, in Moroni chapter 7 about faith and hope and charity. Uh, some of the most meaningful uh, words, even though we're very near the end of the Book of Mormon, some of the most meaningful, powerful words, most read, most often quoted words of the Book of Mormon are... are Yet to to be studied this year by us, uh, in our Come Follow Me uh, studies, because they come from Moroni. So he tells us, and I mentioned this in the in the overview chapter. You know, I hope that I'm able to share with you something that's important that may be beneficial to you. I said, remember that I saw your day, so what I'm telling you should be useful because I I see what you're going to be the state of things in your day. So here's, some, here's an antidote. Here's some things that might help you. Um, in chapter 2, uh, we're told that when Christ came to the land bountiful, he, uh, laid his, or he, he gave the disciples the power and authority to give the gift of the Holy Ghost. We don't have a record of this from before in 3 Nephi, Mormon had said, hey, I'll, I'll tell you something about this um, later. He actually does, not Moroni then steps in, fills in for him, and tells us. there's There are multiple times in the 3rd Nephi record where Christ goes from talking to the uh, people at large, everyone, to just the 12 disciples. Um, for example, 3rd Nephi 15, 11, And now it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he said unto those 12 whom he had chosen, so he's t- he says everything he says these words quote unquote to everyone and then now he is addressing the twelve disciples in the next in the f- in the next uh, verses um, interestingly we get we read in the Book of Mormon that these 12 that were given this authority or are the uh, disciples that's the word that's used repeatedly Uh Joseph Fielding Smith said, While in every instance the Nephite 12 are spoken of as disciples, the fact remains that they had been endowed with divine authority to be special witnesses for Christ among their own people. Therefore, they were virtually apostles to the Nephite race. So, just interesting. uh, They are, in fact, uh, apostles, though they would be judged uh, and will be judged by the original 12 that Christ called in the Old World. Uh, in talking about chapters two through five and the ordinances contained in there in therein, uh, President Boyd K. Packer said, "Ordinances and covenants become our credentials for admission to His presence. To worldly receive them is the quest of a lifetime. To keep them thereafter is the challenge of mortality." He also explained, "Good conduct without the ordinances of the gospel will neither redeem nor exalt mankind. Covenants and the ordinances are essential." President Oaks has said the ultimate Latter-day Saint priorities are twofold. First, we seek to understand our relationship to God, the eternal father and his son, Jesus Christ, and to secure that relationship by obtaining their saving ordinances and by keeping our personal covenants. Second, we seek to understand our relationship to our family members and to secure those relationships by ordinances and by keeping the covenants we make. These relationships secured in the way I've explained provide eternal blessings available in no other way. No combination of science, success, property, pride, prominence, or power can provide these eternal blessings. Uh, And talking about the ordinance of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, specifically, uh, Joseph Smith was once asked by the United States President Martin Van Buren, uh, wherein Latter-day Saints differed from other religions. Joseph answered uh, by saying that we have the gift of the Holy Ghost and that it is given by the laying on of hands. And, quote, all other considerations were contained in the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, That most important factor really does differentiate Zion people from other people. So the the power and authority that Christ gave those 12 disciples, as recorded in chapter 2 here of Moroni, is a a significant and distinguishing factor between the Church of Jesus Christ and other uh, Christian denominations and other religions, really. So moving to chapters 3 and 4, we get the sacrament. Uh, So first I have a few quotes uh, about the sacrament um, and the sacrament prayers. And then uh, there's some interesting comparisons between uh, Mosiah chapter 5, which if you recall is when King Benjamin's people make a covenant, and it's very similar to the covenants that we make for a reason. Uh, so between Mosiah chapter 5, Moroni chapters 4 and 5, and 3rd Nephi 18, which is when Christ is in Bountiful and he's administering the sacrament, actually. So first, uh, some some things that uh, some prophets and uh, apostles have said about the sacrament and the sacrament prayers. Uh, President Joseph Fielding Smith, uh, first of all, he explained that, I guess, sorry, I said 3 and 4, I meant 4 and 5. I, I got ahead of myself here. Uh, Chapter 3, let's touch on chapter 3 first. Chapter 3, it talks about how the laying on of hands is used to ordain uh, people into the priesthood, into offices of the priesthood. Specifically, priests and teachers are mentioned here. Interestingly, this is uh, really the first mention of Aaronic priesthood-specific offices in in the Book of Mormon. and maybe not the first mentions, but the first uh, focus on. Um, So President Joseph Fielding Smith uh, said that the Nephite people, when they came across, they only had the Melchizedek priesthood uh, because they were not uh, Levites, so they wouldn't have had the Aaronic priesthood. But when Christ came, he gave the the Nephites uh, the Aaronic priesthood as well. And so they could administer and use the preparatory priesthood, the Aaronic, as well as the Melchizedek. And so you have Moroni here recording, this is how you uh, ordain a priest and a teacher. And the the jobs and the duties of teachers and priests uh, are briefly explained in this chapter, and saying, what are they supposed to do? Preach repentance and remission of sins through Jesus Christ so teach the gospel and cry repentance that's and in short that's what a especially a teacher's duty and responsibility is but uh as we all know uh as if you're ordained to a, a teacher and then later ordained as a priest you retain the duties of a teacher in addition to your new duties as a priest uh the duties of the different offices of the priesthood can be found uh beautifully in section 20 of the doctrine and covenants uh Interestingly, that's also where we find the sacramental prayers. All right, now on to chapter 4 and 5, sacrament. Uh, Elder Bednar uh, has said, in talking about the importance of taking the sacrament in our effort to remember our covenants, Through the ordinance of the sacrament, we renew our baptismal covenant and can receive and retain a remission of our sins. In addition, we are reminded on a weekly basis of the promise that we may always have his spirit to be with us. As we strive to keep ourselves clean and unspotted from the world, we become worthy vessels in whom the spirit of the Lord can always dwell. Interestingly, it was also Elder Bednar who told us that uh, renewing covenants is not... uh, scriptural language in terms of the sacrament and yes it is true we as he's as he also has said here that i just read we do renew our covenants it's also important to note that the sacrament is itself a priesthood ordinance wherein we are making new covenants yes we renew all the covenants we have made our baptismal and temple covenants uh whatever however many covenants and whatever ordinances we've we've uh undertaken and we renew those yes But it is a fresh new covenant each week that we make to always remember him. Elder Oaks, in talking about our covenant to take upon us the name of Christ, said, Our witness that we are willing to take upon us the name of Jesus Christ has several different meanings. Some of these meanings are obvious and well within the understanding of children. Others are only evident to those who have searched the scriptures and pondered the wonders of eternal life. One of the obvious meanings renews a promise to be made when we are baptized. Following the scriptural pattern, persons who are baptized witness before the church that they have truly repented of their sins and are willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. When we partake of the sacrament, we renew this covenant and all other covenants we have made in the waters of baptism. As a second obvious meaning, we take upon ourselves the Savior's name when we become members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. By his commandment, this church bears his name. Every member of the church, young and old, is a member of the household of God, as true believers in Christ, as Christians, we have gladly taken upon us uh, taken his name upon us, as King Benjamin taught his people because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. We take upon us the name of Jesus Christ whenever we publicly proclaim our belief in him. Each of us has many opportunities to proclaim our belief. To befriend and uh, to our friends, I'm sorry, each of us has many opportunities to proclaim our belief to our friends and neighbors, fellow workers, and casual acquaintances. A third meaning appeals to the understanding of those mature enough to know that a follower of Christ is obligated to serve him. By witnessing our willingness to, to take upon us the name of Jesus Christ, we signify our willingness to do the work of his kingdom. In these three relatively obvious meanings, we see that we take upon the name of Christ when we are baptized in his name, when we belong to his church and profess our belief in him, and when we do the work of his kingdom. Continuing in kind of that same thought, uh, President Eyinger has said and taught us uh, about what it means uh, and how to always remember him. Uh, He said, Start with remembering him. You will remember what you know and what you love. The Savior gave us the scriptures and paid for prophets at a price we cannot measure so that we could know him. Lose yourself in them. Decide now to read more and always uh, decide now to read more and more effectively than you have ever done before. And so he taught that one, some of the ways in which we can show that we uh, remember Christ is by listening to the prophets and following what they say and studying our scriptures diligently, studying the words of the Lord diligently. Like all things in the gospel, uh, remembrance is an action. President uh, Oakes alluded to that in saying that those who are mature enough to know the follower, of all, the follower of Christ is obligated to serve Him. Action, right? So if we're making those covenants, if we're making a covenant to always remember Him and keep His commandments... These aren't just things that's like, I remember you, I said it, and I, it's in my brain, and it leads to uh, distinct actions, and as President Eyinger said, some of those actions are listening and following what the prophet says, and a diligent study of the scriptures. So, I said this was only going to be a, a one episode plus the overview week. I changed my mind. Uh, we're going to stop here, uh, chapters 1 through 5, and... Chapter six will have its own uh, brief episode. I just want to close this episode by uh, bearing my testimony of the importance of the ordinances that we have in, uh, in the church. Uh, ordinances, as the that doctrine and covenants teach us, uh, are where we can see the power of godliness manifest as we make and keep covenants through those or- and in those ordinances. Uh, we can and will see the power of God in our in our life. Uh, I think this is one of the things that President Nelson has emphasized recently. The priesthood is not the is not the men of the church. the men of the church don't exclusively hold the priesthood and have access to its powers. All members of the church, young and old who make and keep sacred covenants through ordinances through the ordinances of the priesthood, have access to the power of godliness. I know that my covenants have been a beacon in my life and have kept me safe from uh, dangers that I would have otherwise faced. They have uh, guided me and given me access to the power of Christ and to to the power of the gift of the Holy Ghost that has guided me and been a light in my life. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you will join me in the next episode as we discuss Moroni Chapter 6.